You're tuning in to the Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal podcast. If you have a story or a guest recommendation that you think others need to hear, email me at wildweirdandsometimesnormal at gmail.com. Let's get this started. Alex and Brett, kick it! Wild. And sometimes normal. On this episode, I'm joined by Heidi Love of the Unfiltered Rise podcast. Heidi gave an in-depth view into her time in the Mormon Church. She covers the history of Joseph Smith and how he founded the church. The many similarities between the church, the Masons, and occult practices are no accident. Prior to founding the church, Joseph Smith was deep into both. Heidi broke away from this cult-like organization over 13 years ago and has never been happier. While the majority of the Mormon people are upstanding citizens, the darker foundations of the organization and the fact that the church refuses to address them left Heidi unsettled. Heidi and I had a great interview that just scratched the surface of my questions. One of my rare day interviews was cut short due to my rambunctious kids. They can only stay sane for so long before I had to help out. Shout out to my wife for making recordings my interviews possible. Big ups to my kids for being kids. And a booyakasha to Heidi for coming on. A second interview will definitely happen as there is so much to cover here. Give Heidi a follow and let her know that you heard her on Wild and Weird. Enjoy the show. Are you looking to buy a home in New Jersey, escape the city and move to the suburbs, finally purchase that vacation home on the lake or down the shore? Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who are retiring and moving out of state. If so, let me help you. Keller Williams and the Real Estate Professional Group have what you need to make your goals come true. Reach out and have a conversation with someone who will put you first. Contact Brian McCoach at 856-321-1212 or email McCoach at kw.com. Are you looking for CBD for your pet? My friends at Pure Pet Wellness have what you need. They use the highest quality ingredients. While other companies may use synthetic oils in their CBD, Pure Pet Wellness uses organic ingredients. Organically grown hemp, organic coconut oil, organic shea butter, organic beeswax, and that's just to name a few. A family-owned and operated company that also offers fast shipping. Go to purepetwellness.com for all your pet's CBD needs and use the discount code WILD and WEIRD at checkout. That's WILD, A-N-D, WEIRD. Treat your animal right. Go to purepetwellness.com. Welcome to another episode of WILD, WEIRD, and Sometimes Normal. I'm your host, Brian, and today my guest is Heidi Love from the Unfiltered Rise podcast. Welcome, Heidi. Hi, how are you doing today? Doing great. How about yourself? Good, good. I'm here and excited to tell you a little bit about Mormonism from the Mecca of Mormons in Utah. <laughs> oh, wonderful. How, how's Utah doing nowadays? It's nice. It's nice out there. It's a uh, fall. I hope it stays for a minute. It looks like it's not going to. But <laughs> Do you, So I've never been to Utah. I've been to California <laughs> once or twice. Uh, so I don't have too much knowledge of the West Coast. But here on the East yeah. Coast in New Jersey, we have like, there's like 17 summers. There's like summer oh. and then there's like fall. And then that was like false fall because it would go back to summer and go back to being 100 <laughs> degrees again. 
after That's you've Utah. had like yeah. Yeah, hoodies and fire pits and then you're like, oh my God, it's so hot. Like, <clears throat> why is the pool closed? Do you guys have like the same thing, like the same we problem? We do. Just, yeah. yeah. And then it seems like, like there's been a shift. I mean, this spring, I won't complain because this spring was actually really nice. Usually it's like that with the false winters as well. Like it ends 20 times and then you almost think it's spring and then it's freezing and then all that. And then you get like a week of spring and a week of fall. And so it, it's not the best. I hate summer. And so I just feel like summer's overrated. I love fall. So I'm always like, no, don't short the fall. But I, think I don't know. Schools brainwash kids to say that they like summer. And then as an adult, it takes a really long time to break that conditioning. <laughs> I'm like, what's your favorite season? Like, oh, I love summer. Like I'm yeah. in an office five days a week and it's air conditioned and I go outside yeah. and I don't love summer. I'm like, this, no, if I'm not at a pool or a lake, it is not great out there. I'm always Spring. like, I like early summer, early yeah. summer is okay. Yeah. But, and I'm a camper. So if I'm camping, I love summer, but I just, I, you swell up, you're hot. Like it's just not comfortable. I don't, yeah. I don't like being yucky. Like maybe cause I lived in a Southern, I lived in Southern Utah and it's like very like Vegas weather. And so after that, it burned me out. I was like, get me out of here. And after that, I just thought, ugh. Summer comes and I'm like, oh, you gotta be kidding. And it's my birthday. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I can't have all of it. So I think this is the first conspiracy we can get everybody on is that summer is not that great unless you're <laughs> off and not. doing things. Yeah. Yes, but if fall's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Because even uh, you get done on a Tuesday night in fall, you're like, hey, I'm going to light the fire for a couple yeah. hours outside and we can cook outside or, or barbecue. Exactly. And love it. But on the yes. side, oh, yeah, I don't know. Subscribe summer, to those people. There's, yeah, the, the first conspiracy to, to get on board. We're, Summer's we're not on real. board. Yep, summer's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Summer's torture. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So Unfiltered Rise podcast. Do you want to give some highlights? Yes. What, do, what do you cover over there? Uh, sure. Yeah, we do um, pretty much everything. Uh, lately, it's been a lot of Mormonism because it is my focus and we do a lot of swap casts. So, I mean, people are getting a lot of that right now. Also, I haven't been able to do a ton of guests on my own just because of that reason. I'm doing two to three shows a week right now, just on different Mormon stuff. And so it is my thing. I am the Mormon, like the Mormon girl, <laughs> but also I really like anything that's Christ centered, not church centered. I love Christ and God, but not, well, they're this, you know, I love God, but anyways, it's not, it's not like I'm a I'm not a church thumper. It's really hard for me coming out of the church to go back to that. I don't know that I could ever be like a full church member again because you get really disillusioned. Not that I wouldn't go for the camaraderie, but I don't know that I would belong to their church, if that makes sense. Okay. Just because. And so we do that. We do some conspiracies. I'll get into more of that, but we're fairly new. So um, hopefully we can do like one of my things that I really want to do. So shout out this to any of your listeners. If you have anybody that's a John D expert, I would love to talk to you because I think that maybe Joseph Smith saw similar angels to John D and I would love to go over that. I have a guy for you. Uh, I've had ah, Eric, amazing. Eric on twice. <laughs> uh, I think he was on uh, episode 17 and he is awesome. part of a paranormal hunters, oh. the ghost hunters kind of in, in uh -huh. the New Jersey area. And in the interview, it was him and his partner, CJ. And in the interview, Eric says, I'm a practicing occultist. And we started oh. going into a little bit. And I was like, whoa, like, I am very into this. Like, let's do another episode. So right. he came back for episode 23 or 24. I can definitely oh. put you in touch with him. And he is very, he's a practicing I would love, I would love to do that. 
Well, because, and I believe that a lot of Mormonism is a cult in nature. And the more you find out about it, the more that becomes evident. So I think it's awesome to like, I would like to go over that with someone. I feel yeah. I I had a meeting with the New York Patriot, but I was telling him more things. It wasn't me interviewing him yet. And so, but he said there were similarities between the OTO. And so I'm like, oh, hmm. Wow. That's interesting. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'll put and you in the touch and then I'm yeah. excited to hear, hear that <clears throat> interview. That'd be great. Thank you. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited. I think he's actually got it out and I'm going to put it out probably later today, hopefully. So okay, he sent cool. it to me as a swap and I like, I like doing that because I feel like sometimes my audience misses things that his, his audience doesn't really know me. So that way you can kind of get the feel of it, but I will be doing more interviews like of my own in my own nature, hopefully soon. It's just been, I can't like I'm doing two to three a week for other, other podcasts. And my husband's always like, maybe you should just say no and do your own stuff. I'm like, no, I don't think that's a good idea yet. Cause I'm not big enough to, you got to get your name out there. Right. I, I think it's a good way to open yourself to yeah. other audiences and they go over and there's enough time in the day for everybody to listen to as many yeah. podcasts as they want. So it's not just mm-hmm. like, well, I only listen to one a week. Like, well, Right. Oh, one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like I, mash like six in a day sometimes. Yeah. I, you put them at two X uh, speed, you're going through them and you, yep. like, you touch everything you want and you're good to go. Yep. That's sometimes I do that. And sometimes I do like, what, what did he say? Rewind it, slow it yeah. down. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just depends on how fast they talk. Like you probably don't want to put me at two speed. You'll, you'll get bug, like bugs, bunny sounds. <laughs> so I, I was editing my podcast <laughs> at one speed and I don't do like a lot of editing, but it's a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I was fine with it, but it was taking so long to do it. And I was like, well, I listen mm-hmm. to two X speed. Why don't I, why don't I edit at 2x? And I'm just right below chipmunk speed for my own ears. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> uh-huh. I, I, I can handle this. You're it like, helps. it sounds all right. That helps. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. I know what I said anyway. I, I'm the one who said it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know people are like, do you watch your own self? I'm like, hmm, not unless I need to like, oh yeah, that happened. I need to find that, you know, or yeah. something. I don't know. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. So that's funny. It's one of those things. Sometimes you just let it go and be what it is. That's what's all Passwords about. Passwords and all. Yeah. Um, I try. I really do try to be very Christian based, like I was saying, but Christianity is not what people make it out to be. And and I think that's part of what, what I'm trying to tell people. But I like to keep raw things in there so people know who I am. Like, isn't I'm not gonna pretend. Like I I could pretend to be perfect and edit out every single thing that I ever do wrong, but then you're not gonna really know who I am. So Right. Yeah, no, I think that's good. As long as you know, hey, sometimes yeah. the first words slip out. We yep. celebrate all the words over here and <laughs> I tend to use them yeah. all throughout all the episodes, but yeah, I, be I, I sometimes do as well, especially on the get me on a tavern show. I'm terrible, but <laughs> where where there's a bunch of people and I'm I'm like I, I've been a nurse for 24 years. So being a nurse, my my background is you're with well, as for me, I was in the ER a long time. So you're with a lot of doctors, they're mostly men. The male nurses, a lot of times are in the ER. So, and then the firefighters come in, paramedics come in. And so it just becomes joke central. And I'm just one of the guys, unfortunately, for my husband. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes he's like, what did you say? I'm like, yeah. it was a joke. It was a joke. <laughs> so I was you're, kidding. <laughs> you're a, a Utah sailor. Probably not too many of them out there. Yep. Yeah. No, yep. I was raised <laughs> by a bunch of bikers and a truck driver. So pretty much. It was a different way for me. That's funny. <laughs> but Mormonism was a part of my beginnings. Um, 
my parents were what you would call a Jack Mormon. Jack Mormons are like the Catholics that go on Easter and Christmas. They just go once or twice a year or something and they call them Jack Mormons. And so, but I will tell you that a Jack Mormon will fight you to the death. Like on, even though they don't go, they're like, this is what we believe. Blah, blah, blah. A lot of times way more than a person that goes all the time, which cracks me up. I'm like, you don't even, you don't even go. What are you talking about? But maybe that makes it more ingrained in them. They got to fight for something. I don't know. But anyway, so I grew up with a bunch of Jack Mormons. They still do what they want to do. They drank, they smoked, they did all the things. And for a good majority of my life, I grew up in Idaho, even though I was born in Utah. I lived here for like three years and then we moved to Pocatello and then we moved back when I was like 12. And so when I was really young, that whole period of time, I would go with my neighbors and they made sure I was like baptized and all the things. And it was more calm, like as far as the church there, not my regular life. My regular life was a disaster, but, and I always knew what God was because of that. I feel like when you're young, if you come from any kind of real struggle, you like figure out God in general, like you're like, I need some help here. Help me out. Like, you know, you're up there, hear me out. But so you really go to that. I feel like I always knew what the spirit was. I always knew the difference, you know, between bad, good, whatever, quote unquote, you know, I, I mean, I knew what that felt like. So I grew up with a pretty good understanding of what that felt like. And then, so as we moved, um, actually my parents had, well, it wasn't my real parent, but my my stepdad was just super abusive. My mom had a whole bunch of problems. I mean, he was like trying to beat her to death all the time. So we ended up being a ward of the court by 12. And so me and my brother got split up and I ended up living with my grandma, who was extremely Mormon and had gone through the temple and like she was up there, you know, and she was not old per se because she got married at 14 and had four kids before 18. And so, yeah, Utah, it's kind of a thing. I mean, that's really young, but it is kind of encouraged to get married to young women like right out of school. Not maybe as much now because they've got a lot of slack about it. You know, they're like, oh, well, you know, you push your girls to get married young, blah, 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 which was true because the boys would go on missions at like right out of high school at 19 and the girls can't go till they're 21 because why because they want you to get married you know so it's kind of one of those things and I got I followed in those footsteps got married at 17 it was senior prom and I was getting married and my parents were signing (laughs) for me to get married to a 25 year old man so they don't pick your husbands I'm not from the FLDS now the FLDS they wear they look like little house on the prairie they do all the weird things and have a hundred wives or whatever. Not really. I mean, I think an average is like between three and 10. There's That's a lot. You know, yeah. I, I couldn't do it if I was a guy. Wow. I have one <laughs> who wants to kill me sometimes, but it's me. 99% is my fault. So I couldn't imagine having 10 of them that I'm, I'm going to annoy. See? Yeah. 10 wives. I can't even. And then how many kids, you know, but there is sex that are like that still. And they do exist still quite prevalently, especially where I was telling you I lived in Southern Utah for a while. So that branch is actually more true to the actual Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon has been changed, even though it's supposedly from the prophet, the living prophet. We believe in a lit. Well, I'm not. I'm going to say we a lot in reference to Mormons because I was a Mormon until I was 34. So Mormons in general have these different branches and the FLDS is one, they stick to the original Book of Mormon unchanged, which endorses polygamy. 
and it is a thing. And then they've got the mainstream, which is the normal type missionaries that come door knocking to your house and whatnot. And then they've got another branch out, probably more where you're at, called the Reorganized Church of Latter-day Saints. And that was Joseph Smith's children. His wife hated the polygamy deal. I mean, I can't say I blame her, you know. And so they made their own sect without that. But if you want to get down to the nitty gritty, honestly, the FLDS get the polygamists get a lot of flack. But they actually are more true to their own church than the church is now. So because they go by the letter of the law as it was written, not not rewritten 45,000 times. I don't even know how many times they've redone things. Like originally, Black people weren't allowed in. Originally, you had to be a polygamist to go to heaven. Originally, I mean, there's so many things. And to this day... They just change it as soon as it causes waves. They're like, oh, we had a God told me in a vision that the black people can come now that segregation is over. You know, <laughs> they play the political game. I'm glad they got the memo on that. I'm just you know, right. Better, better oh, late than it, never, I guess. Right. That's it's ridiculous. <laughs> wild. It, I can't I cannot believe that there are black people or brown people or any kind of shade of brown people, whatever in the church. And that was a hard pill for me because. My mom, my whole family is mixed. And so I was always like, that. no, that that's not true. And then, I mean, you like have half a brain cell. You figure that out, that that's totally wrong. You know, even as a child, I always thought that's that's really was a bad thing you guys did there, you know, and they'll say things like, oh, well, the prophet is the true prophet and his word is the living word. But if he's wrong, he's just a man. I'm like, oh, well, that's convenient, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I like that. I That's mean, good. Yeah. I mean, and and they'll say things like that. Like Brigham Young was horrific. He was one of the presidents of the church. He was the one that was so racist. He was the one that really brought in more polygamy, although Joseph Smith started it. They just kept that under the rug for a minute. But altogether, I'm like, okay, all this bad stuff happened, blah, blah, blah. And they'll say, well, yeah, but he was just a man. And I'm like, hold on. What does the Bible say about a prophet being wrong? If he's wrong once, then all of it's wrong. So, I mean, they just skirt everything. And they also say things like, well, the Bible's only true in as much as it's uh, translated. So they, they'll just twist it. It's I, I always call it twistianity. It's not my <laughs> coin term. But I'm, I mean, after you grow up in it and you see so much of this, you're like, wait, what? I'm... <laughs> <laughs> and it and it fits in there. They're very box people. Like if you are not fitting in the little box that with the little bow and things aren't perfect, then you damn sure better figure out how to make it look that way. And so you figure that out from a really young age. Like, so one of the main things that they do when you're young is they do these interviews with the bishop. And they do them to go to like dances. They do like little dances for the kids that are 14 and up, which they, they have some great programs. Okay. The thing about it's hard for this and I'm going to do this little disclaimer and I do it all the time. Even the big podcasts like Mormon stories and all these things that are really big. I'm not bashing them. They chose their way. That's great. But they really don't delve into what happens in the temple because they say it's secret and sacred. It's sacred. You know, it's their sacred temple rights, blah, 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 blah. Okay. First of all, the first disclaimer is this is all over the internet. I'm not going to teach you anything new today. It, it, it's out there for people and you can go look it up right now. Maybe it's new because you didn't go look it up, but it's out there. Number two is anytime somebody is victimized and you tell them to be quiet, 
that is so offensive to me as a human being that I'm not going to be quiet and I won't. And I'm not doing this to hurt people because there are, and I've heard other podcasts where I'm like, what is this girl saying? Like she's saying people that are Mormon beat their wives and stuff. Like, okay, my dad did beat his wife, but that's because he was a bad guy. My neighbor who was wonderful and Mormon never beat his wife. Okay. There's some wonderful people. And most of my family is still Mormon. Like I would say 90%. And so it's not something that makes or defines who you are inside of you, nor do they push weird things like that. I think that's so weird for people to say. So it's not true. That's not true. They don't pick your husbands. They don't boss you around that way. They do. They do give you like the same as any church. Like, well, I wouldn't do that if I were you or, you know, different little things like that. And we'll get into it. But it's not like people think they, I think some of the people that come out and talk are like, oh, it was the worst thing ever. And they beat me all the time and blah, blah, blah. And they're trying to make it really sound cool. And I'm like, wait a minute, anything I say, I've either researched and have notes for you, like places you can find this, or this is my own personal experience, which either way you can either prove it or it's a personal experience, but don't label the people that way. Cause there's a lot of really good Mormon people, just like there's bad priests and there's great Catholic people. Come on. You know, so beating your wife or your child is not one of the commandments. No, no. And I, I listened to that and I thought, oh my gosh, I've got to get out there and tell people this isn't true. You know, because there's a lot of really great Mormon people. The people are not the problem. It's just like the United States of America. I love the United States of America. There's a lot of patriotic people, including myself in some ways. I'm in some ways I'm patriotic because I've changed my thinking on it because so much of it is like worship of of weird things like Freemasonry and stuff, right? But like I still tell my son, just because you don't want to say the pledge because we shouldn't be pledging to anything other than God and it, and it's pledging to a flag, which is a symbol. And we got into this whole big thing about it. And he's very wo- woke up because I'm his mother. So he's like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. And I said, well, we have everyone in our family that's been in the service. So your ass will be out of the seat, period. Or I will make sure that it hurts to sit down. No, I'm just kidding. Not really. I don't beat him. <laughs> he's bigger than I am. <laughs> But anyway, you get my but point. I think, I, was no, like, I think that's yeah. a good point. I think that's a good point that you bring up. And, you know, we're not going to get into like the whole NFL mm-hmm. and kneeling and things like that. But if no. you don't want to pledge, you could at least just stand up and be respectful for the people yeah. that have sacrificed their life, their yes. health, their whatever for the country. And it doesn't have to mm-hmm. be every single minute detail no. of this country and, and find, you know, small mm-hmm. little sli- or egg. It could even be huge. I mean, because, well, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't change the fact that those people gave their lives or their arms or, and my uncle was a Green Bray. He's retired. He was airborne. He's like highly decorated. My brother was in the Navy, like all these people in my family. So I'm like, no, no, that's not okay with me. You don't have to say the words and I will go to bat with you for your teachers on that uh, as to exactly why, you know, because even the words, if you break them down, you're like, wait, I pledge allegiance to the flag. Like, oh, and he's like, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. And I love that he's smart enough to get that. I love that. I want to support him that he's like, yeah, I don't feel good about this. Okay. You know, I'm not going to squash his like mind. Like he's obviously growing. So I'm like, all right, that's great. You came to me with a, a good reason. I respect that. Please respect the fact that there's been many people in our family that served, you know, 
So that's good. On to other things. Yeah. On to other things on that one. But I say this only because so many people will hear this when I get into the temple rites and they'll be highly offended. They'll think I'm a bad person. They'll think, oh, she's just mad at the church and she just wants to leave because maybe she did something bad and she couldn't live the word. And I lived the word. I lived the word to the max of the max for many years. And I'm just, I found out things by studying, which they don't want you to do. And so the main thing for me was his history. So Joseph Smith's history when he was quite young, he grew up actually back east in New York area and Ohio, like Ohio comes into all these areas. And so it's more back east than it is Utah. Utah became into it later. So his family were worshipers of the cult of Abrak. And so I don't know if you know what the cult of Abrak is or the house of Abrak, but it is short for Abraxas. And it sounds like abracadabra, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's because it's a magical spell and Abraxas is a demon. He's a necromancer. And so there is an actual quote from his mother and they'll say, oh, well, she meant something else, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Her name was Lucy Max Smith. And if you look up the quote of the House of Abrac, and it will come right up, she says they serve the House of Abrac. They were known treasure hunters, treasure diggers. They used uh, dousing rods. Uh, he was a virgin scryer. All these things before they, be, way before any of this other comes into play. In fact, when he was born, he was born in a call, which means like in the sack, still intact, which it was like a high sign of like, oh, he's going to be a seer. It's also like a sign for a witch. I mean, but whatever it happens nowadays too. I'm talking back then their belief system. The dad went around town saying he was going to be a seer. He was going to be a seer. So he grows up and he gets really sick about age seven to eight. He gets typhoid. And he gets this huge osteomyelitis in his leg. And his mother was a healer. So this is why she was part of the House of Abrac, because she was a healer. And so she said, don't cut his leg off. Just listen to me here. Take out the bad pieces, which was not done then. She found a doctor to go along with this. And they did exactly what they should have done, which was removed the bones that were infected and the pieces that were infected. But this left him in the home for many years, uh, just healing and sick and whatever. So he is inside his house with his mom, who is a healer and serves the house of a brack for all this time. And so people say, oh, he's just a farm boy. He couldn't possibly have made this up. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, also his family was Scottish and I'm pretty sure, you know, he had different books in the house. Like if you're in the house in a poor house, they weren't rich. They didn't have that many books, but I would almost bet they had a copy of the Magus because there's too much that's similar between that and the Bible. It's like he took the Bible and the Magus and a couple other things and threw them all together and made the Book of Mormon. He eventually gets better and he gets out there and he starts working again by his father, like with his dad and his brother and they're treasure diggers. He stays inside and he uses a seer stone. This is well-documented. There's pictures of this online and he's supposed to help them find treasure. Well, they keep doing this to all their neighbors and there's accounts from the neighbors. So this isn't hearsay. There are accounts from the actual neighbors that employed them as treasure diggers as to what they were doing while they were doing it. They include a dagger, which there's pictures of in a kit that they say wasn't his, but it, it it's family relics of theirs. And if you know anything about the parchments that were found with it, they call down certain demons on the parchment. 
And so it's really interesting that they want to just completely say, oh, that was the brothers. That wasn't his. That was, I mean, I'm sorry if your family's into all this. It's it's probably you too. Like, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent saying they can account for that, but it's pretty widely known that the seer stone and all that was his, and it was all with it. He also wore a Jupiter talisman and that was identified by his wife as his on his body in his death. And she wanted it back. So there are some really weird things. And the neighbors said even that they would go out and make circles and chant around the circles and do all this weird stuff. And one time they slid a black goat's throat at midnight to try and help. And I mean, it's some really wild stuff, you know, and people can say, well, that's just folk magic. That's what they say all the time. Anytime you bring this up to somebody that even knows it, because I'll tell you as a Mormon, I knew none of this, none. And as you start getting little pieces of truth, you're like, wait, what? And then you're, you know, you go a little further, you find out a little more. So this is kind of what happened with me is I started studying. And when the internet came out, it was a disaster for the church because they started a campaign and it was like, doubt your doubts, don't doubt your faith. Just go on to LDS.org and don't search outside of there. If you have questions, go to your bishop, blah, 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 all this stuff. So they just are like kind of similar to Jehovah's Witnesses in that account. And they want you to just stay in their little bubble. That's like my little spout off onto why I knew that stuff. So after he's older again, like I said, he he meets this guy and and it's so interesting. His last name is Lumens. Okay, like like light bringer Lumens. So he comes to town and it it's his future wife's cousin. And he's reading this Greek book to everybody and they think it's magic because they've never heard anybody read like that before. You know, these are simple people. And so he he notices that Joseph's pretty smart. Obviously, his intellect would develop differently because he was sick and in the home and studying or reading or whatever. I mean, he had to heal. So same thing happened to JFK. You know, he was always in bed because he was sick as a kid a lot and they made him really smart. So he sees that this kid is smart. So he starts telling him, you know, this is just a Greek book. This isn't magic. I mean, he kind of explains it to him. And this guy, this is all noted that this guy came to town. Multiple people have like written things down about it. There's a couple biographies that were made. One was from his cousin. One was from his mom talking about this. So this really happened. And so it's kind of ironic that he sees, oh, this guy came to town and he had a magical book. And everybody was really impressed with him. That's great, you know. <laughs> and uh, eventually, that's kind of the same story that happens to Joseph Smith. <laughs> so they, uh, he says, at that age, after meeting this guy and everything, he went out to pray about what church he should join. And everybody kind of knows this story. Oh, okay, he saw uh, God the Father and the Son. We, the Mormons, don't believe in the Trinity. They believe they're three separate people. So this Holy Spirit is separate from God, the Father, separate from Jesus Christ. So he said he saw them, but he they don't tell you that he also saw 24 other angels and or apparitions in his time frame. And, and about the parchments that call down specific demons and angels, and they look very Enochian, which is why I want to talk to someone about John D. And so... I'm like, I think that he knew a lot of things, magically speaking. So, and I also think he was smart. And I know he wasn't a good treasure hunter because they never were very good at that. So, 
He says he was supposed to go find these plates that the this happenstance happened. Now, many people will say he was high on mushrooms or that they had bad grain, like the witch thing, you know, whatever. A lot of people go there with psychedelics with him. I actually believe he saw what he saw. I just believe he saw the same thing that John D saw, which was an, a fallen angel, the same thing that Scientology was formed upon what happened. They were out there messing around and him and Jack Parsons saw an angel and then they told him to what write a book and then it started a religion. Same thing with Muhammad. He saw an angel and it told him to write a book and then it started a religion. Same thing with Aleister Crowley. He saw an alien, not an angel, but I think it appears as what you would be accepting of. And he was very dark, you know, and so maybe it appeared in its true form to him when Awas came to Aleister Crowley. And then what did he do? He wrote a book and started a religion, Thelema. You know, so I think there's just too many coincidences involved there. And I just think that if we sat down and like talked about all of that, it would be kind of enlightening to see like what exactly was happening. So he was told by this angel that he could get these plates and they were golden plates and dig them up in this hill in Hill Camorra. Well, it's basically in his backyard. It's like really close to where he is. So that's super like, oh, okay. Don't go far or anything. You know, it's in your backyard. You had to be home and at so, dinner by six. It was yeah. like, I can do this for a little bit. And yeah. Right. I'll come back. And then yeah. he was very fantastical. Like there were stories of him telling fantastic stories of the Indians, even before this happened, like making up like, oh, they probably lived this way or that way. And originally he said he didn't see an angel. He saw a really tall Indian. And so I'm like, okay, that's a weird, a white one, an all white one. And I'm like, that's a weird way to say it. that just definitely sounds like an ain't like an angel of some sort, you know? And we know in the Bible, it says, you never know when you're going to be entertaining an angel. So you have to be careful because they're not all good. Basically, it tells him, come back next year with your brother, right? Well, the brother dies before this happens. So then the dad puts out the weirdest newspaper clip ever. And his dad is a Mason. His brother becomes a Mason. His brother's name is Hiram, the other brother. His, and like Hiram a bit. <laughs> like this is how into it they are. Okay. And and Joseph Smith becomes a master Mason later in his life. And so there's certain things known to them already. You know, he would have been already training up in this kind of stuff if you've got a family that does these kind of things along with the house of a brack. So he puts out this weird newspaper clipping saying a year later, we would never dig up my son's body. So just so you know, we didn't do that. And he publishes it in the paper and that you can go find this like, and it's so wacko and random. I don't know if there were like, murmurings or something like they're going to go dig up that kid or if they did do it and they were like just in case somebody saw us we didn't dig up the guy you thought yeah, you have to get ahead of the bad news up. you can't just let yeah you can't let them control the narrative you have to come out with your own clippings like hey it's in the newspaper man like i didn't do this right i didn't do it and so i thought that was so weird i was like what and so the angel demanded that so he he went back and I don't know if he had his brother, a piece of him with him or not. That's up to them to ever disclose. But whatever. That was a weird newspaper clipping. He goes back and this keeps happening for a couple of years. Well, this story is incredibly the same as a story in the Freemasons. It, it's a really similar story. And I can't remember the name of it, but it's really similar where the guy keeps going back to try and get this book. So it sounds really similar. And he keeps going back. And then eventually... 
he gets the plates supposedly and and when we see this as mormons it's like oh god and the lights and this angel and oh here's the beautiful plates no it happened on the autumn equinox at at in the middle of the night at like three past midnight they're all there's speculation between midnight and three in the morning dressed all in black he was required to dress all in black while his brand new wife that he basically stole and ran away with is out in the carriage and and that all this happened like really oddly she said that he was doing like different weird seancey stuff to get it and so i don't know if there were ever any plates i don't know what exactly no one does there's no archaeological evidence of these things it's not like the bible where you have old scrolls you can go to it, it because the angel took them back after so I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's the best story ever. Oh, also, yeah, there's more on convenience for sure. So we were all told that he starts translating the plates with the first one is Martin Harris is his scribe. His wife helped up a bit first. And then he got this Martin Harris who was wealthy and helped back everything because everybody knew the Smiths didn't have money and they weren't going to be like, yeah, just let them publish stuff because there'd been problems with this whole treasure hunting thing. They'd kind of burned quite a few people in in the area. So the printers were not going to do that for nothing. And so he gets this backing and he gets him swindled. And they say that he was extremely like car salesman type. You know, he was able to just get anybody on his side he was, you know, charismatic. He he was, they said, if you put him alone in a room with somebody he was mad at, or they were mad at him, it, it would not be a thing like after a few minutes. So he gets this guy to back him and he's spending all the money. Well, his wife, and this is where the South Park episode and that South Park episode is actually really correct. I, it, they took it off. You have to pay for it now because oh, it's probably the church. Yeah. Yeah. I'm assuming they came after them, you know? But so now it's under a paywall and and the whole thing is kind of like dumb, dumb, dumb in the background. And when it comes to Martin Harris's wife, she says, no, I want to see some of this book that you're supposedly translating. He won't show anyone these plates because if you set your eyes on them, you'll just die. And of course. Right. So <laughs> she's like, no, you're not giving him any more of our money. I want to see some proof. So he finally talks Joseph into letting her see just some of what they've written. And so she, he brings it to her and she burns him. And then she's like, we'll see if he can recreate that. And that's when that South Park goes smart, smart, smart on her. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's kind of funny. I mean, it is a parody, but like they really did historically get a lot of this correct. And so she says, okay, you know, go tell him that. And he says, oh, well, the angel came and told me because you did that. I shouldn't ever redo those, that part, that portion. He's like very quick. He's very quick. I'll give it to him. And so they all tell us when he was translating that he used these big, thick, like glasses called a Urim and Thummim and a breastplate. So familiar of masonry. Like it's, it's, it's so ironic. I mean, so many of the things we do are. So they say that, but the truth is, and it shows him with pictures, he put the seer stone in a hat and covered his head and put his head in the hat. Well, he serves the house of a brack. And what do you pull out of a hat? What do you say when you pull things out of a hat? Abracadabra, you know, like very interesting to me. And they said he would tell them Egyptian symbols to write down that meant something that he would decipher later. That sounds like the Enochian alphabet all over again. Like there's no transcript of like what it first 
looked like. I mean, he changed it and whatever, but that's what he would tell the scribe, like write this symbol down, write that symbol, you know, that's how they did it. So long story short, eventually he goes to get this published. He had gone through a couple different scribes. There was multiple problems with them. Like the first one and the second one were both excommunicated at some point for catching Joseph with other women and calling him out on it. And he's like, well, that's it. You can just get out then. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's like everything he has an answer for. He's a super smooth operator. He ended up with like 33, 33 or 34 wives, which they hid from everyone in the church forever. Like when we grew up, we were like told and I'm 47. So when I'm like 10, they were like, oh no, he was never, he, he wasn't a polygamist. That was Brigham Young, blah, blah, blah. And so no, he was. And it was worse because he was marrying other people's wives. It wasn't just, he was marrying, like, they want to say, oh, well, they had to marry all those wives because they crossed the plains and all the men died. And so they have to take care of those women. No, that wasn't what this is about. He was taking other people's wives and sending them on missions. So they'd be gone. And he's like sneaking their wives off to have a spiritual marriage. So, and I mean, he'd been caught multiple times by multiple people womanizing. So, and even had one noted pregnancy with one, which his wife, either she fell down the stairs or she received a beating. There's two different accounts and the baby was lost. But I do not believe for one red second, he had 11 children with her and there's just no other kids from anybody else. That's what they say. I'm like, Right. Because he's obviously fertile. I mean, he's got all these other women and there's just no other kids. Okay, perfect. So he loses half of those kids either in infancy, which is really makes you sketchy when you know about like occult stuff and sacrifices and different things. So a lot of times in masonry back in the day, and I don't know about current masonry, all I can tell you is older stuff. A lot of times when it gets a cult in nature, they will do sacrifices of their sons. And I don't think he had too many that lived that weren't somewhat affected until later. Like they had all these kids that had died left and right, left and right. And of course, they're going to say it's pioneer times. But the first one after he got those plates, pretty much nine months after that, he had this baby that was severely deformed and a boy. And they named it the dead brother's name that had died the year before. Wow. The one that was in the newspaper. So his dad basically sacrificed his older son, the first son that was alive. And now Joseph has, now I can't prove this, you know, on the sacrificing part. And then Joseph loses his first son and names it the same name. So that's just a little bit ironic. I mean, and severely deformed. They they note that he was severely deformed. And so this is all in biographies. There's different biographies from the family that people have wrote. This isn't like uh, me making this up out of nowhere. Okay. This is a lot from Lucy Max Smith, and that's his mother's biography. Also, he had another cousin that wrote a biography. So long story short, he goes through all this stuff and becomes the prophet because he gets this all published. He takes it upon himself to become the prophet. And he was at this point, a master Mason, and he was making everyone that was in the church that was a man, a Mason at this point. Well, this was making people in Illinois really anxious because by then they'd had to move. And they were like, he has more more Masons in his group than we have in the whole state. So they're getting like worried 
And then on top of it, he had gotten his temple rites, his masonry temple rites, a month before he releases his own temple rites as an LDS church. Okay. So that brings us to that. He ends up getting tarred and feathered. He ends up getting shot in Carthage jail, all this stuff. So that's kind of the background there. And then it all carries over into modern Mormonism because we still go to the temple and do these rites, these masonry, which you don't know. This is my whole issue with the church. You have no idea that this is masonry stuff. You have no idea that like I talked to another person that said they're very like a Gnostic mass. You have no idea of this stuff. And it's like a combination of these things. And even when they ask about it now, they've asked different prophets about it. And they went on the record to say, yeah, we have the true, true Freemasonry. We have, we have it from God. God gave it to us and, and gave us the true version of it. And so, yeah, of course it looks Masonic. And I'm like, okay, that's weird because the Masons have been around for a long time, you know, and it goes even back to the Rosicrucians before that. So all this stuff, you can't just claim it as your own just because he tweaked it a little bit and which he did. And so when you get through, you go through the temple once when you're, well, not once you can go back if you want to, but when you're between the ages of 12 and like 17 or whatever is the typical age, you can go at a different time, but you have to be at least 12. You go through and you do a, what's called baptisms for the dead. The whole church, it, its function is dead people. And remember that demon was a necromancer. So I feel like this is all really tied together. So you go and you do a regular type baptism, but when they baptize you in the church, they baptize you into the church. They say, and I baptize you into the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They don't say I baptize you to God. You know, they don't say that. And so you get a little certificate and everything. Okay, whatever for yours when you're eight. But when you do them at 12 for these dead people, a lot of times, it's from genealogy for your own family. It doesn't have to be like if your parents are crazy, like my grandma was super into it. A lot of ours were already done. She had them done already. So they just give you names and you can get dunked. I think it's up to like 13 times. Super uncomfortable. You do it as like a teenager activity. The boys go on one side, the girls go on the other type thing, but you have to wear like all white and you're developing. And it's super embarrassing and I mean, they give you undergarments and stuff, but nothing is real great when you get it wet, when it's, you know. Is and each dunk for a dead person? It's all for a dead person. And they e each do Each time it, you're getting dunked. And they okay. do it exactly in proxy as if you, if, if you, the living person is for that dead person, they do it exactly the same as you were baptized when you were eight years old. And so they say that these people are up in heaven waiting, not heaven. It's like a waiting area. They're up there waiting for you to do this work so that they can move on. That's what you're told. So you do this part as a kid, and then you go through when you're older and you can do it when you're older too, if you choose to, it's just not norm. It's not, doesn't happen much. Like if you were 40 and wanted to go do it, I guess you could, but it's not done normally. It's like, oh, the live the kids do it, you know? So then when you're older, either if you're going on a mission or getting married, usually are the main times where you would take out your own temple endowments, they call it an endowment. And so what happens is no one will tell you about this before, not even your grandma. They tell them you cannot speak about it outside the temple. 
So you have no idea what's about to happen to you. And not only that, I mean, they have these little classes, but they really don't 100% prepare you for it. They just tell you like, it's secret, sacred, blah, 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 all this stuff, how how it's so special. You, you're an upper echelon if you're going to go through. Like either the men have to be high priest holders of the Melchizedek priesthood and the women are underneath the men's calling. So like you will never hold any kind of power. Like it all comes through your husband. So if you're an unmarried woman, it becomes sticky, but they kind of, of course, there's always a way around it because Joseph Smith always had a way too, right? (laughs) So they'll make it fit, you know? So you go through and the first thing that happens is, well, they've changed it. But the first thing that happened to me, see, all these changes shouldn't occur because they say it's perfect, right? I thought this is supposed to be a perfect religion because you have a living prophet that tells us so. But then they're like, no, no, he got word that this is not good because like there were protests and people sued them. That's why. Because this first part was super uncomfortable. I went through in 1996 and you took off all your clothes, put this poncho thing on and it's open all the way on the sides and you're just naked under there. And then you're waiting in this little room on this cold cement thing, like stone like marble, fancy, everything's fancy in the temple. So you're sitting on there and you're thinking, man, you think they get a better bench or something like, and later I found out it's an altar. Okay. So you're sitting naked on this altar, which I didn't know. And some lady comes in to uh, bless my loins, bless my sinews, bless me, blah, blah, blah. And they touch you, but now they only touch your forehead. They used to touch you underneath your gown, like right here and down by your stomach and stuff like that. Not sexually, but it's still really uncomfortable. You're sitting there going, what the hell is going on here? (laughs) Really? I I was like, I was like, oh my gosh. And my grandma, oh, it's fine. You know, your whole family's there. This is your best day ever. So you're sitting there with your, remember your whole family's already done this stuff. Usually like for us in Utah, this is like, this is like nothing. The things I'm telling you that are so strange for everyone to hear is nothing here. Here, it's very like everybody. Oh, you went through the temple. Yeah, that's awesome. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. So then they take you and they give you new underwear, which is exactly so in masonry in their temple ceremony, they also get new undergarments. We get new undergarments. And then we put those on after this lady baptized or blesses you. Right. And they have a compass and a square on them on each nipple. And then they have the ruler sideways ruler over your navel. And then they have another one down at your bottom of your knee because these underwear look like boxer shorts, kind of like long, like the longer version of boxer shorts, like the dry fit snuggy ones. I don't know, whatever they're called, <laughs> not boxers. Um, the brief, boxer briefs. Brief boxer briefs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they kind of look like that even for women. Except, of course, not like flaps and weird stuff, but, you know, they're your underwear from here until eternity. You're supposed to keep them on every day of the rest of your life and never put them on the floor. And you have to put them on your right leg first, your right arm first. Like there's all these rules and you can only buy them at the church and you have to have a temple recommend to get them. And of course, the church is the only one that makes them. And they're like $40 a pair. And you need a lot of pairs because, you know, they're your underwear and you can't even put your bra on underneath of them, you have to put the bra over the top. They have to be the closest thing to your skin. And the only times you can take them off is if you're at the gym, taking a bath or shower, whatever. And I always take a joke and say, or making more Mormons, right? (laughs) 
Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a funnier way to say that. Yeah. So some people are crazy and say like, oh, no, they don't even take off their underwear. Then uh, they tell you, you can take them off. If people are getting wild, that's their own weird. They, I asked all those questions very in depth because I'm a very like, hey, I'm not going to go through if this is going to be the way. Hey, I don't know about this, if this is going to happen. And they were like, they, so they told me all these things before. That's not true. That's just people taking it to another level, which people will always do. So that's not true, just so people know. And they do have ones that are army colored for army guys. And that's about the only time you get a different color as the army people have to have like certain colored things. So maybe cops too, I'm not sure, but they have like some things for things like that. So anyways, you get that, then you put on your dress, which is a white dress over these new underwear. And then you take your temple clothes and you go in to do this ceremony and you have a veil, but I don't know if they do that anymore because they used to make us veil our faces as women because we weren't um, worthy to see what was going on when they do a certain part about the priesthood because we don't have the priesthood, which was why I was like sitting there getting this blessing from that woman in the temple. And the one question I had wasn't like, yeah, I was weirded out that I was naked sitting on the block. But also I was like, she can't have the priesthood. Why is she giving me a blessing? Where's the guy? And I asked her, I said, where's the dude? Like, you know, he's supposed to come, right? Like, you can't do this. And she's like, oh, no, it's different here. Of course it is, right? Always an she's answer. Like, well, you, yeah. yeah, you're not dressed. So we had to. And I'm like, you can't. It's impossible for you to hold the priesthood. I know this. Like, I've been told this since I was a child, you know. So that was my first, like, little, hmm. Just put it in your back pocket. You're already traumatized and moving on to the next part. So there's not really time for that. This this whole ceremony takes two hours. Okay. I don't know if they've changed it since or whatever, but when I went, it was two hours. So you go on one side and the men go on the other. And you're there, your husband's there, like he's over on the other side and you're on this side. You can do it before without your husband if you want to, and then have it. They know when you're going to get married. Like it has to be within a month, I think. So they don't just let you willy-nilly go do this unless you're going to go on a mission or get married. And so they have you go through and do that. And then you're sitting there with this veil and this white dress and this, it's like a white robe across. It looks like a sash kind of, but Masons wear the robes. We also get an apron. Masons get an apron. The aprons in the 60s remarkably were Masonic. They were so Masonic and they changed them later. And I'll explain why. So they, we hear this creation story. They start and they will act it out like a play. If you go to a, what's called a live session or you'll watch a movie, which is more typical because live sessions take even longer than two hours because it's like a play. So they have a God and he's like creating the world and all this stuff. And then they call him Elohim instead of God. And they, they talk about making Adam and Eve and all this stuff. I'm really shortening this because if, I mean, we don't want to be hours and hours. So <laughs> at some point they're bringing Satan into this and they used to have Satan um, show up. And I've heard that they take him out now because that what they change. There's a writer's strike. You have to cut people. Yeah. We don't have the budget yeah. for this. Oh, no, I get it all. Yeah. And he used to be dressed all in black and it was like a whole production. And so anyways, the funny part is, and I never kind of caught this when I went through, but I interviewed a guy on my last couple episodes ago and he talks about it. And he said, that was a key for me because then Adam's crying out because he's in the lone and dreary world after they get thrown out of the garden. And he's upset crying out you know, to God, but God doesn't answer him. Lucifer does. 
And they used to do this part and they still do it, but they now say, oh God, hear the words of my mouth. And they do this weird like chanting. (laughs) It's so weird. I wish I could show pictures on here, but I I posted them before. They're all over my stuff. But so they do this weird thing. And then they say that now, but they used to say Pele L, which actually translates to, and people started getting wise to this. Oh, false God, hear the words of my mouth. So who shows up? Lucifer. And he says, you better take this apron and cover up because God's going to know you're naked. And so you need to cover up. And and so he does. And that was like weird that we took something from the Lu- Lucifer character. And then, and then you stand up and they say, all patrons, please put on your apron now, blah, blah, blah. So you do it too. And so then they have all this weird stuff that happens like chants and You'd learn secret handshakes. You have to know these secret handshakes, which they're all very Masonic. You can look them up. It, if you look at the Mason ones, they only have they have a couple more than we do. And you'll oftentimes see like the prophet of the church, like the president of the church shaking hands with like government officials and they'll be doing the Masonic handshake. It's because it it, it is all very Masonic and they'll tell you that. Like now they have, now they will. They didn't used to. Now they have a little video like, Oh, does the church see Masonic? This is why, blah, blah, blah. Come look at this YouTube, you know? Yeah. But they never told me any of that. They're like telling us like, oh, this is Christian and Christian based and blah, 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 blah. And so you, you get in there. This is why I speak out. I get in there. I'm doing all this weird stuff. And I find out this is half a part of a Gnostic mass and the other half Masons. Like if they quit saying they were Christian and quit telling their patrons that, oh, you're, this is Christian. This is Christian. This, these things make you a good Christian. This is how you get to heaven. I would back up. I would just shut up. Like if they came out and said, you know what, we're going to keep doing all this because we're Mormons and it's about Mormonism and not about God. I would leave it alone, but they are deceiving people. And you're going in there thinking you're doing something that the Lord wants you to do at the highest level. Like only certain people get to get to this level. You have to be really behaved and do all these things to get there. And then you have to go get it renewed all the time. It's not like once you go, you just get in. No, no. Every year, I I think it's less than a year. I don't know what now, but they re-up these recommends. You have to make sure that you are morally clean and pay your full 10%. They have tithing settlement where you take your records in and they examine if you really did pay your 10%. They want to see your financial records. They, you know, you have to do your callings. If you don't have a lot of money, they will give you chores. Like one time we didn't have a lot of money and they helped us with food, which they'll say, oh yeah, the Mormons really give food and they do these, all this stuff. Okay. They do. But they also made me a janitor at the church for free, you know? They do certain things that are really weird like that. And they want your money. They don't care if they have to give you food. They want your tithing. So why? Because it's all about taxes. They can write off that charitable donation. If you give them a charitable donation of your tithing and they return it back to you with food or whatever, then they can write that both off. Both are not not income. You know what I'm saying? They're still making out like bandits. So. You go through, keep going through on this ceremony part. And at the end, there's a part where you, they get in a circle and this is important. And I always share this part. They get in a circle and they chant over this book. And they, if anybody ever says that's Mormon, can I put your name in the temple book? Say no, unless, well, you can say yes, but this is what they're going to do. People that 
this is like a prayer book. They say they put your name in the book and then they do this chanting around it while they put the name of, of the book like stuff on an altar and they chant around it. And it creeped me out. I, I, I just was like, this is strange. <laughs> like, okay. You're remember you're shell shocked sitting there and then you have to learn all these handshakes because if you don't get them correct, then you can't pass into the through the veil to heaven into the sent past the sentinels and angels. Okay. And then you swear that you now back in the eighties, you used to swear to cut your slit, your throat. If you spoke like blood oaths, like, and it, that's the same as the Gnostic mass. They took that out. I think people started figuring it out. So they took that out. You'll spill your guts. They took that out that you'll never murmur it unless you're in the temple. And, and so I don't know what it is now. But you still swear that you won't speak of it like what I'm doing right now. They give you a new name <laughs> then and you get a new name in there and you're only supposed to. And same with the Masons, you get a new name, a secret name when you go through and your husband's name is for God to call him through the veil when he dies, right? So if his new name is Adam or whatever, and then he calls you by that name, not your God, not your birth given name here. It's like your God given name. and for wives, God doesn't call you through the veil. Your husband does. And so for men, they can marry as many women as they want to in the temple without a temple divorce. But for women, you may only marry one man and be sealed to that man. And if by chance he dies or you want a new husband, you have to go through a process. And if the other man says, no, I'm not going to grant her a divorce, you have to go through a big, huge ordeal and a hearing and everything to get divorced from this person and get remarried to somebody else in the temple. And if you have any children with that person. So I had had children with my second husband. We were looking into going through the temple and we had this little boy. I said, well, I need to make sure we get our son sealed to us, you know, for time and all eternity, because they believe that you're all together for time and all eternity. And that's part of this whole temple thing. So the bishop said, no, you don't. And I said, what do you mean? No, I don't. And he said, well, your ex-husband was your proxy. Your son's already sealed to you. So to whoever marries me next, if I went through and did that, then he would just automatically be sealed. Well, my ex-husband was out about that point. He said, are you meaning to tell me this idiot that I'm raising his kids already from her ex is my son's Spirit dad in heaven. I mean, he lost it. He was like, no, you know, and thank heavens because it kind of helped me steer clear of it as well. At that point, I, I'd already gone through it. It it doesn't mean I go backward. It just meant he didn't go, you know, with me. So that was confusing. And then you learn all these secret handshakes and then pretty much you get through. And if you do the handshakes correctly, then you can go to quote unquote heaven, which is there's three heavens for Mormons. There's the celestial kingdom, the telestial kingdom, and the terrestrial kingdom. So the celestial is the highest and that's where God lives and you get to go live with God. And so if you're, if you do all of these things, there's much more to be done. When you're a Mormon, you never have a day off. There is so much to be done all the time. So after you go through this for yourself, you go back and they say to you, how many times can you come back and do this for the dead every month? And they encourage you to do it like weekly, if not more, and at least monthly. 
And all these names for dead people, they're doing this. Even they got in deep crap for doing it to the Jews because these people died for what they believed. And then they're going through baptizing a Mormon and stuff. And uh, there were multiple lawyers that brought lawsuits against that, as they should. And I think they even did Hitler, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Jeez. Because they believe everybody can still be saved at some point. It's like when you die, you go to this little waiting area and you're waiting for all these things if you haven't done them yourself. Or that's like the terrestrial heaven, what I was talking about. It's kind of like earth, but you're just waiting. You're kind. It's kind of like, it's not like purgatory per se, maybe. You're just waiting for all this stuff to be done so you can ascend, you know, and then that's what they believe. So you really feel that you're doing something important for these people because they're stuck. And the only people that go to like, they believe in hell, but they believe in something called outer darkness. And that's for apostates like me that share what I'm sharing right now. They believe I'm going to outer darkness with murderers, that murderers go there and apostates, but speak about the things that happen in the temple. That's only until somebody prays for your soul and puts you up until they readopt you <laughs> back into Mormonism. You you have I hope, would have, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I never want that ever again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you guys think anything you want, but I definitely know who God is and that it, none of this stuff is God. And so the more you go back, you're doing it for other people, but they're hoping that you're remembering these Masonic handshakes and whatever, because if you don't get it down, you're not, you're not going to make it to heaven either. You can't make it to heaven if you don't know these handshakes and stuff. So it's a whole big thing. And I mean, you just can't even almost believe like when you're going through it, you think it's completely normal. And when you get out, you're like, what in the heck were we doing? Why? This has nothing to do with God, you know? And so, and God does not live in temples. God doesn't dwell in temples. It says that in the Bible. And so when you do get out and you start looking at all these things and you start thinking about everything that's occurred and like you find out or don't find out about the Masonic influence, the Gnostic influence, all these things, that was what really upset me. Like I felt duped to be honest. You know, I felt like I was tricked into things that were not God or godly. And I, I mean, I'm not disgruntled at the church. They didn't do anything bad to me. I wasn't molested by somebody. Like a lot of these people get out and they're mad because somebody did them wrong. That isn't my thing. Just like priests that do bad things. That's not that whole church, despite if it's right or wrong with whatever church they are, you can't judge it upon certain people. And that's what is so important that I want people to get because there are so many Mormon people that are just wonderful. You know, they're normal people. They really do try to live almost too good of a life. They have a lot of depression. They aren't able to be themselves. They are stuck in a almost a continual loop of like perfection. They have to look just right, act just right. Like they're, <laughs> it gets down to like the bags that you carry these temple clothes into the temple. Like women have certain brands. And one of them, ironically enough, is called Symbols the bag brand name. I'm like, how funny is that? Knowing everything I just told you about symbology there. And I'm like, you know, they get these bougie bags, like so that they can be the cooler. Oh, yeah, I got the cooler temple dress or the cooler temple bag or the I mean, it's really like I told one person, it's like the Kardashians. It's like rich, ri not rich, because not all of them are the top echelon is, but it's it's like that. 
you know, you're always in competition and everybody's kids got to look the nicest and act the best and be the best. And it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure because there's not just church. Church used to be three hours on Sunday. I think they've shortened it to two. Then they have young women's meeting, young men's meeting, the women's meeting, the men's meeting. Then you do relief society or uh, no teaching meeting. It's your, um, where you go with another companion to check on people and see how their families are. Then they do their home teaching meeting. Then you're supposed to do family home meeting on Monday. And then that's with your family teaching your own family. And then there's all this teaching and it's so much stuff and it never gets to like, it's never focused on God. Really. It's really focused on Joseph Smith. It's really focused on you know, the church, it's really focused on the new prophet, whoever the prophet is at that time. They put out magazines for it. They put out, this is a very wealthy church for a reason. There are no dummies, you know. Well, if you're getting 10% of everybody's annual income, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty good there. All right, and I have, they make sure. Yep. Yeah. I wrote down a bunch of questions. It, yeah. Go for it. You're right. Okay. Ready. So I would say overall, you're saying something people come out, they're upset that they were abused or <laughs> criminalized against themselves. There was a crime committed yes. against them. And that yes. happens in any church or walk of life. And yes. it seems that you're more disgruntled, you walked away more because it's a faulty foundation that you were raised mm-hmm. upon that, that yep. just wasn't directly to you. So, okay. So I'm on board with that. It, and the foundation was a lie. Like the, the more lies I found out that it wasn't Christian based or whatever. That was what I was most upset about was, you know, all this occult stuff basically. So, right. All right. So this goes into, let me start with an easier question to go there. So you're learning all these secret handshakes and the Masons have secret handshakes. Yes. When are you using these just as you go to heaven? Okay. So these are to pass by the sentinels and angels to get to heaven. So the only time you're allowed to do these handshakes is with, now I've seen the prophets do them with other people like presidents and whatnot, but that's a prophet. That's like a higher up person. Us normal people are only supposed to do them in the temple at the time. So when you get to the fake veil, and I literally mean there's like a curtain with little holes in it that you stick your hand in and you do these handshakes with someone behind the veil that's supposedly like an angel, but they're so I mean, they're just like, like in order. Like you just have this like, you know, yep. secret yep. gang sign handshake yep. that like, that yep. you better gang do, signs, like one, yeah. two, three, four. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's always fine. <clears> and they have specific names. Yeah. Yeah. Specific I always find it interesting names. that sometimes with the Masons, I, I think there's actually a phrase that you say to, to check if there's another Mason there. And then you would right. know to do the handshake, but it's just like, you don't yeah. just kind of come out with like a weird, like half claw, and people, someone's staring at you and you just hope <laughs> yeah. that the other guy knows it's like half. You're like, oh, no. I yeah. Masons. Yeah. Okay. Nope. And I think that only the top, top elite people maybe stick it out there, maybe because they already know. Maybe they've been through something with them or whatnot, but right. it's not typical. And you would never give the sign or the name of the sign outside of the temple, but they okay. are exactly Mason signs. They have a couple more that we don't have, and he named them different. Like one of them is the sure sign of the lion paw or something like that. And ours is the sure sign of the nail. Like it's almost exactly the same, the nail of that went into Christ, you know? Uh, So he tweaks them a little bit, just a tiny bit. And then that's what they are, but they're exactly the same thing. Like as far as the handshake itself. In fact, people have said to me, you shouldn't be putting those, those handshakes on ours are sacred. I'm like, that's the Mason's handshakes that I put up. That's not even our stuff. 
So, so when you said <laughs> the lion fall and then the nail, and then I got the the children's parable wrong, but it was the thorn in the lion's hand, and that's what popped in my head when you first said that, like almost as yep. if that's tied together. But the nail of Christ yep. probably probably a little more tied to that if we're religious. <clears throat> yeah, yep. They he made them more religious. It's basically the same story, but like a different you know, reason behind it. And that's why the Masons got so upset with him. And I truly believe that's why, even though he really ticked everybody off with the polygamy, I truly believe what got him killed was the Masons because you don't mess with them. You know, there was more than he that got killed or not found again. There was the famous guy, William, uh, I'm trying, I'm blanking on his last name. It'll come to me, but he, he tried to come out against the Masons and made an anti-Mason movement during the same time that Joseph Smith was coming up as a kid. And I don't, I don't remember his name right now. That's bugging me because normally I can just rattle it off. But anyway, he just disappeared one day. Like, I mean, they were like, oh, where did that guy go? And they were like, well, who knows? But funny enough, Joseph Smith married his widow. Oh, wow. That was one of his wives and she showed up. Everybody kind of knows like the first wife is like the main wife. Like she has the most control and power. Like she, she would be the one at the funeral in black. You know what I'm saying? She, and that lady actually showed up in black as a mourning widow. It was like quite scandalous. Yeah. Back in that day. So the more wives you have, the the more like diversion to gray so you start like really black and then eventually <laughs> right like, and somebody's you know, in white the, at your yeah the, like the 40th like ah oh, she's the 40th wife watch out for her uh, i'm gonna look up power. that guy's i'm gonna <laughs> okay. look up that guy's name because it's gonna drive me crazy oh man so as, as you're Didn't doing that i'm gonna ask up. my next question yeah so let's do it joseph smith it's, his family's not rich they're no they're not well off at all uh mm-hmm. they're they're failed treasure hunters like i guess everybody yes. has treasure in their backyard and they're like yeah search my yard for for treasure. Yeah. But I guess if you had a bunch of acres, like this possible that it's <clears throat> yeah. different than now well, back, a small plot there of land. Was like, like, hey, check my hundred there, acres. There was a pirate story that went with kind of with this treasure. In their area, there was this, and it was William Morgan. I looked that up because it was driving me crazy. But the pirate, I think it was like pirate kid or something like that. There was some story that he had landed there and lost his treasure, buried his treasure or something had happened. So a lot of people were looking for treasure at that point. Okay. So it wasn't completely unheard of. And honestly, treasure digging and dowsing rods and all this stuff is very folk magic type stuff. His parents were Scottish too. I think it was his mom. I think that makes sense. And Irish. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. I get what the why, but also like, there's a lot of little discrepancies. Like when Joseph Smith became a Mason, he became a master Mason in two days. Why? That doesn't Uh, just happen. That doesn't just happen. You usually have to go through things. So he obviously knew things or did something or owed something. And then his son dies and is all weird, like, you know, deformed. I mean, it makes you wonder, like, I can't prove any of that. But it's yeah. odd. It's an odd thing. So so I have zero background on Joseph Smith, but the Masons have yeah. the 33rd degree of Masonry. Yes. And you said he might have had 33 or 34 wives. And if I had a bet, yeah. I would say probably ended at 33. It, I think it was 33. You know? uh-huh. yeah. Yep. All right. So Joseph Smith, <clears throat> why? Is this just a career scheme, a tax break? There's like He has no other skills. And he's like, let me take the two things I know of Masonry and agnostic Add religion. Add to it. And just combine these two and like just run a scam? I think because of the guy that um, Lumens, I think his first name was William as well. But 
Lumens, when he came to town, he had that Greek book and he saw, and it's a famous Greek book. I just can't remember the name of it right now. But when he saw the charisma that that guy stirred in the crowd, when he would read it to the people, he saw something there that was a moneymaker. This guy ended up being ran out of town within a year for being kind of scandalous too, being like, oh, well, I can help you with this or that, whatever, treasury stuff or whatnot. And he got ran out of town. So I think where Joseph Smith came from is he's like, look, we're not getting anywhere with this treasure business. I can't really farm that well because I got a bum leg. He had a bum leg the rest of his life. He he didn't ever fully heal. He had a limp forever. And so, and though he was strong, people say he was very strong. I think that was something that made him a little bit more book smart. And also, you know, he was a bored kid. And his mom said he, she used to listen to him twist stories about fake Native Americans that were from this area that he made up like full stories for. But I also truly believe he probably saw an angel. And I just think it wasn't who he thought it was, because it is too similar of a story to John D. It is too similar of a story to Jack Parsons. It's too similar of a story to Mohammed. And also, they do polygamy. And also they, I mean, there's some really striking similarities between Islam and Mormonism. I mean, it is crazy. And so it's, it's, to me, it has to be more than just a fantastical thing that he came up with or drugs. That's normally two people's, if you're not a part of the church and you don't believe that's like their two go-to like, oh, he got high on uh, mushrooms and this happened. And I'm like, yeah, I guess, but it was uh, that was a long time and a lot of stuff. Like, I don't think you could keep it going for that long, you know. Yeah. And so, then if you're a kid and you're laid up for a <clears> while, <throat> like you're just gonna get bored. Like, like now, like you know, our kids mm -hmm. have a million friends and there's internet and you know they're FaceTiming. But then if you're just locked in your house and you're the only kid, yep. I mean, you're just gonna read books and make up friends. So for him yep. to tell stories, like you know, maybe he just you know honed that skill as he sat in his bedroom for months forever. forever. Yeah. yeah. And then on top of it, where they say, oh, he didn't have any access to the Magus. Okay. That Lumens guy came around town when he was like 14-ish. And he had just come from like a big tour of uh, Europe and all over the place. So that's not entirely true. He had other works with him that were Greek of nature and other things. So I don't buy that. You know, they say, oh, well, he had no access to the Magus, blah, blah, blah. They didn't have a copy. No, there's too many similarities. Right. It's, but if you knew your neighbor's kid was laid up for a long time, like you probably offered them books like that's what you had to offer them. It was like, oh, hey, I have a couple had. books if they want to borrow them for a little bit. So for this, yep. you didn't have act, you're not there. You don't know. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Do you think there's sounds like there's some Satan worship here if you're you're yep. praying to Satan and like all hail the false mm -hmm. god. Yep. Do you think that they're like Mormons are unintentionally like providing energy to to yes. these demons and false gods and and this is part of it? Yep. I, I honestly can say this, they're Jesus, Mormon Jesus. If you ever see a Mormon Jesus, he does not look like Jesus. He looks like Joseph Smith with longer hair. Joseph Smith was quite fair. He had blue eyes. Their Jesus is like, I always say fake Jesus because he's very light. And there's like a joke in the Mormon church because back when they were really prejudiced, they used to always say, well, as we've taught to, not always, but there was one in particular 
uh, Ezra Taft Benson, he was a prophet of the church. He said, as we've administered the gospel to these Native Americans, they have become more white and delightsome in nature. And it just cracks me up because I'm like, yeah, because you killed everybody that they mate with and then sent them to schools all alone. Like, what are you talking about? Like, no, not them per se, but like in general, the Native Americans were being killed off at a pretty rapid rate at that point or sent to schools to be taught different things, whatever. So of course, they're going to interbreed with white people and be more white and delightsome in nature. So it's like a joke, I want to always say. So their Mormon Jesus is very white and delightsome. <laughs> he doesn't look brown. He doesn't look Islamic. He doesn't look like he's from where he would be from. And I always tell my daughter this, and, and she kind of gets slack at school for it. If people say, well, that's Jesus. And she's like, Jesus is brown. <laughs> and I'm like, you tell him, you know, <laughs> Jesus yeah. was brown for sure. Like I'll show her pictures of people from that area. I'm like, see all these people, these are Jesus's people, you know? And so I think they worship whatever that is, as far as like what we're talking on deity worship. And they also bring definite energy to that temple building and they keep them so locked down and so secret and so like there's so much stuff that goes on there that's ritualistic that it couldn't be explained any other way. And I know when I got out, I had about, I've been out so almost 10 years, more, more than 10 years. So 13. So I've been out 13 years and the first few years were just brutal in my life. Like anything that could go wrong did. I had a lot of I felt like a lot of attachments on me. I've had some weird stuff in my house. Even more so now that I speak out, which has actually been a little, a little hard because you get used to having it gone. You, you purge those things. You get through like some different deliverance steps. Like a lot of mine came from Derek Prince. I've done some videos on how to protect yourself and get rid of these kind of attachments. And my other favorite is John Ramirez. He used to be a Satanist. And so I love his stuff because he's saved now. And he talks all about what he did too, to help break this stuff off. And he makes books about prayers and different things to help you. So they're all biblical, not just his crap, like biblical stuff. So I love that. And as I broke things off of me in my life, I started noticing like, oh, this feels lighter. This feels better. I'm not getting sick as much. I don't have as much diver like problems and weird things that would happen to me or whatever. And then even just actual feeling demonic stuff kind of sometimes, or I've had one or two instances where I knew something was up. I don't ever see things, but I smell and hear things. And so that's, that's never a good feeling. When I had to go through my house, I had to look for anything that had to do with, you'd be amazed too. I bet if I went through it again right now, I'd find some dumb thing that got left behind something that, you know, I used to have just constantly, they, they really put like, instead of Jesus on the cross, cause they hate the cross. Mormons don't like the cross. They, you're not, you're not ever to wear a cross. They will never show you a cross. Like they do not like crosses. Instead, they're really big on the Garden of Gethsemane, and they say that when he was there suffering, that he bled from every pore and all this stuff, and like they really make it like way more than what is biblical. And so I'm like, he did suffer a lot there, but he suffered a lot in a lot of places. But they make statues. There was a specific statue place here called uh, the Salt City Statues, and if you had money you are a Mormon, you better have you a Salt City statue, you know, and you better have Mormon Jesus all over your house. So I had to go through everything. 
and and really look at like what in my life, what in my house, what in my because even my DNA has Mormon settlers like in my DNA. And so these things are hard to break when your whole family's come out here and settled this, you know, this Mormonism is like literally bred into me. And it's also really hard to accept that because we are raised to like, oh, we don't believe in demons. Um, what are you talking about? There's there's no demons. I'm like, if you believe in God, you better believe in the other half of things because as above, so below. Right. But then if so, you're not believing it, but then some of your rituals or just your, you know, your Sunday church things are honoring them. You know, it doesn't matter if you believe in them or not, you're you're doing it. Mm -hmm. That's so secret. Yeah. yeah, That's wild. So what made you start waking up or stepping away 13 years ago? So I, my mom actually left the church first. And I remember when she did it, cause we were brutal. Mormons are actually really nice to your face until you do something they don't really like or disagree with. And a lot of times they'll really hardcore make fun of it. Like my grandma would be like, Oh, your mom's going to the rock and roll Jesus church again this Sunday. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, like so. rock and roll Jesus sounds pretty cool. Like, you yeah. Know. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, grandma, you know, like she would just be mean. My mom became a Stevens minister over at a Christian church, non-denominational. And so she really got out and I watched her journey and I was like, hmm, I wonder what's so different for her. And I went a couple of times and I was like, this is horrible because you go and you see these people and they're happy and they're praising right there. And then church is not like that. If you go to Mormon church and you even have a crying baby, you better shut that baby up or get out of that church. And, and, and when they're doing sacrament, because- Are you trying to sell me on Mormonism here? Is this what's happening? Oh my gosh, that, right? That, I was like, that's not such a bad idea. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's nice. But like also feels not very comforting and not very, like think about when Jesus was on the Mount and like people were like literally praising and celebrating, like that's not what's going on there. You know, everybody's just quiet. The old men all fall asleep like this and they're like constantly doing the head bob thing. And so it's just kind of like I'm liking this more and more though. Yeah. Yeah. Except the satanic, except the satanic (laughs) part. Yeah, right. (laughs) Take you to the bed. You know. Yeah. And so daytime naps, no crying babies. Yeah. Yeah. For two hours, you can go do that. (laughs) Don't forget. (laughs) Don't forget the whole rest of the week is busy. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I mean, you're going to be busy. (laughs) Oh, never mind. Never mind. No wonder they're falling asleep. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. They're tired. So I, I've never been more miserable or more busy as I was as a Mormon, but at the time you don't feel that way because you really feel like you're doing what you should be doing. So I look back on it and I was sick a lot. I had a lot of issues, like just things. Cause you, you have a job too. You have tons of kids. They want, they want you to have kids because they believe in a pre-mortal existence. So they believe all these babies are up in heaven that are supposed to be yours or mine. And they're waiting for us to have them. And we're letting them down because we didn't have any more kids. So you're letting those kids down if you haven't had seven kids by now. And even if the mother's really not capable or the family's not capable of money wise or whatever, they'll say, oh, it doesn't matter. We'll help support you. You know, they'll help you give you food. They'll help you with they have Mormon welfare programs. They have I will say they have their crap together where where many churches don't as far as how they run it. But of course, they have to do something because they have to account for all this cash you know, which they don't account for all of that cash. There's been many scandals on that, but we won't get into that. (laughs) They're not, they're not rich for no reason. They're not stupid. Right. Heidi, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Where can people find you? 
Absolutely. They can find me on all of the um, socials as far as like Instagram, all that YouTube, TikTok. I also am on Spotify, Apple, anywhere podcasts are basically serviced. I think I'm on at this point. So come and check us out at Unfiltered Rise. Yes, it's a lot of Mormon stuff right now. No, it won't be that way forever. So trying to get some other stuff mixed in. I need to have you back on. I want to cover more of what your podcast covers and then some of the conspiracy awesome. stuff that you've been talking about. Yeah, for but sure. I, I said I was going to cut this part, but my kids are getting a little wild during a daytime interview. So You're I need okay. to go help them out before yep. my podcast comes to a sudden end for life. <laughs> so this is a little fair trade off here. But Sounds I do appreciate you me. coming on. I'll, Thank I'll you plug so much. all your stuff in, you. in the show notes, all the socials and everything. Okay. And uh, awesome. We'll schedule another time in the, in the near future. Cool. All Thank right. Thank you so Thank much. You so I appreciate much. it. You have a great night. Awesome. You Take too. Bye bye. Bye. All right, everyone, that was our show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date in all things wild and weird. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on our guests. The biggest support you can offer is to tell everyone about the podcast. Until next time.